J.C. Ryle's Devotional Thoughts on the Gospel of Luke Section 117 Paying Taxes to Caesar Luke chapter 20, verses 20 through 26 And they watched him, and sent forth spies, which should feign themselves just men, that they might take hold of his words, and so that they might deliver him unto the power and authority of the governor. And they asked him, saying, Master, we know that you say and teach rightly, neither accept you the person of any, but teach the way of God truly. Is it lawful for us to give tribute unto Caesar, or no? But he perceived their craftiness, and said unto them, Why tempt you me? Show me a penny. Whose image and superscription has it? They answered and said, Caesar's. And he said unto them, Render therefore unto Caesar the things which be Caesar's, and unto God the things which be God's. And they could not take hold of his words before the people, and they marveled at his answer and held their peace. one thing in this passage, the cloak of goodness under which some of our Lord's enemies approached him. We read that they sent spies who pretended to be honest. They hoped to catch him in something he said so that they might hand him over to the power and authority of the governor. We read further that they attempted to trick him by flattering words. Teacher, we know that you speak and teach what is right, and that you do not show partiality, but teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. These words sounded well. An ignorant bystander would have said, These are sincere inquirers after truth. But all was hollow and unreal. It was the wolf putting on the sheep's clothing under the vain idea of deceiving the shepherd. Their words were smoother than butter, yet there was war in their hearts. Psalm 55, verse 21. The true servant of Christ must expect to meet people of this description as long as the world stands. There never will be lacking those who from selfish or sinister motives will profess with their lips to love Christ, while in heart they deny him. There will always be some who by good words and fair speeches, will attempt to deceive the heart of the simple. The union of burning lips and a wicked heart is far from uncommon. There are probably few congregations which do not contain some of those whom Solomon likens to potsherds covered with silver dross. Romans chapter 16, verse 18, Proverbs 26, verse 23. He who would not often be deceived in this wicked world must carefully remember these things. We must exercise a wise caution as we travel through life and not play the part of the simple man who believes anything. Proverbs 14 verse 15 We must not lightly put confidence in every new religious volunteer nor hastily take it for granted that all people are good who talk like good men. Such caution at first may appear narrow-minded and uncharitable. But the longer we live, 
the more we shall find that it is needful. We shall discover by experience that all is not gold that glitters, and all are not true Christians who make a loud profession of Christianity. The language of Christianity is precisely that part of religion which a false Christian finds it most easy to attain. The walk of a man's daily life, and not the talk of his lips, is the only safe test of his character. Let us mark for another thing in these verses the consummate wisdom of our Lord's answer to his enemies. We find that a most difficult and subtle question was proposed to him for solution. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? It was a question eminently calculated to entangle anyone who attempted to answer it. If our Lord had replied that it was not lawful to pay tribute to Caesar, then he would have been accused to Pilate as a rebel against the Roman power. If our Lord had replied that it was lawful to pay tribute to Caesar, then he would have been denounced to the people as disregarding the rights and privileges of the Jewish nation. An answer which would not involve our Lord in difficulties seemed at first sight impossible to be found. But he who is truly called the wisdom of God found an answer which silenced his adversaries. He told them to show him a Roman coin. He asked them whose image and superscription was on that Roman coin. They answered Caesar's. At once our Lord made that Roman coin the groundwork of a reply at which even his enemies were obliged to marvel. Render, he said, unto Caesar the things which are Caesar's, and render unto God the things which are God's. They were to render to Caesar the things which were Caesar's. Their own lips had just confessed that Caesar had a certain temporal authority over them. They used the money which Caesar had coined. It was lawful money between man and man. They probably had no objection to receive gifts and payments in Roman coin. They must not therefore pretend to say that all payments to Caesar were unlawful. By their own admission, he exercised some authority over them. Let them obey that authority in all temporal things. If they did not refuse to use Caesar's coin, then let them not refuse to pay Caesar his dues. They were to render to God the things which were God's. There were many dues which God required at their hand which they might easily pay if they were only inclined. Honor, love, obedience, faith, fear, prayer, spiritual worship were payments to God which they might daily make and payments with which the Roman government did not interfere. They could not say that Caesar made such payments impossible. Let them see to it that they gave to God his dues in spiritual things, as well as to Caesar his dues in temporal things. There was no necessity for collision between the demands of their temporal and their heavenly sovereign. In temporal things, let them obey the powers under whose authority they allowed themselves to be. In spiritual things, let them do as their forefathers had done, and obey God. The principles laid down by our Lord in this well-known sentence are deeply instructive. 
well would it have been for the peace of the world if they had been more carefully weighed and more wisely applied. The attempts of the civil power in some countries to control men's consciences by intolerant interference, and the attempts of the church in other countries to interfere with the action of the civil power, have repeatedly led to strifes, wars, rebellions, and social disorder. The injuries which the cause of true religion has received from morbid scrupulosity on one side and servile compliance to state demands on the other side have been neither few nor small. Happy is he who has attained to a sound mind on the whole subject, to distinguish rightly between the things of Caesar and the things of God, and to pay to each their real dues regularly, habitually, and cheerfully is a great help towards a quiet and peaceable life. Let us often pray that we may have wisdom from above in order to answer rightly when perplexing questions are put to us. The servant of Christ must expect a portion like his master. He must count it no strange thing if the wicked and worldly-minded endeavor to entangle him in his talk and to provoke him to speak unadvisedly with his lips. In order to be prepared for such occasions, let him often ask the Lord Jesus for the gift of sound wisdom and a discreet tongue. In the presence of those who watch for our halting, it is a great thing to know what to say and how to say it, when to be silent and when to speak. Blessed be God, he who silenced the chief priests and scribes by his wise answers, still lives to help his people and has all power to help them. But he loves to be entreated. <laughs>